1967, Roland Barthes wrote La Mort de l'Auteur, The Death of the Author, an essay proclaiming that the opinions of an author on what his text may mean are irrelevant to the interpretation of said text. In 2020, Julian and Magnus Dora decided that the author's abilities are just as irrelevant. This is Kill the Author. Hello and welcome to Kill the Author, the first episode of our first podcast. I'm Julian. I'm Magnus. And we're going to talk about an anime named School Days today. Uh, and let's talk about what we're going to do now, for starters. So I'm going to go ahead and say that School Days is terrible. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that doesn't matter. I come from a background of uh, literary studies. I uh, studied British, uh, American, and German literature at university. And my background is that quality doesn't factor uh, into if something is worthy to be analyzed. Like everything is subjective. Yeah. Or it is always subjective. Yeah. There are a lot of frameworks that we can engage this from. Mm. So um, I'm from no background. I have no <laughs> profession. I'm just here for kicks. He has, doesn't even have an, uh, a background in watching anime. Yeah. He's I mean, watched I, like three. I, I, four or five, something. I've watched a few more. Seven. And School Days uh, is an important one. Because from a completely personal point of view, it is the worst thing I've ever seen. But that shouldn't matter to our analysis. Now, what are we going to try to find? We'll find out. In preparation for this, we've... Uh, Rewatched the entire show a few months ago. A few times, actually. We've been trying to do this for a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> we kept uh, just not doing it. Yeah. Uh, and in direct preparation, we've rewatched the first episode. We're going to go through this show episode per episode, trying to see what we can find. It will analyze the visuals, it will analyze the themes, it will analyze the dialogue, and yeah. That's the general concept. Yeah, so um, School Days was originally a visual novel that was eventually turned into an anime. Uh, I I don't really know the visual novel very well. Yeah, but, I don't either. But from my understanding, it had multiple endings. It was I think it was kind of a dating thing. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I assume from things we're going to discuss in the context of this show uh, that there are certain things that would be useful to know about the visual novel. Uh, but I think the analysis will be more interesting if we don't. Mm -hmm. All right, then. Um, so tell me, you've seen the show a lot more than I have. Yeah, a uh, few more times. Give us a little introduction. What is? Who are the characters of School Days? What is School Days about? Okay, so School Days has um, not a lot of characters. Uh, mm -hmm. In general, there are only very few named characters because this is where the visual novel background really shines through mm. uh, there's like two male characters one is the protagonist uh, his name is Makoto uh, and one is his best friend I've written his name down somewhere but uh, he's sorry if I Taisuke yeah he's completely worthless um, <laughs> he's and, just there. and then there's a bunch of women 
Like, uh, I think 11 or something. Yeah, a bunch of teenage girls uh, that exist for the protagonist to fall in love with them in, in the context of a visual novel. Now, this anime isn't a visual novel. Yeah, they, they, made, they made some interesting choices. Yeah, with adapting this concept of dating some of the female characters and getting a choice there. Usually, with an adaptation of a visual novel, you'd expect them to stick with, like, one or maybe two, make it a love triangle thing. That is not what they did here, uh, but we'll get to it's that. It's more like a love dodecahedron. Yeah, kind of. Um, so the main characters, the most important girls, and the protagonist are Makoto, the boy. The boy. Uh, then there's uh, Kutonoha, who is the girl he falls in love with in the beginning of the show. And then there's Sekai, who is kind of the female wingman character yeah. in the beginning. Uh, yeah, uh, things kind of evolve in some weird directions. We'll get there when we'll get there. We'll get there when we'll get okay. there. Okay, so um, so let's start. Uh, the very first scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, I made a few notes. Um, mm -hmm. Like artistically, there's one specific thing I noticed in the first episode, which is that... I noticed something um, too, let's see if... In the first episode, I mean the very first scene. Yeah, yeah. Which is Makoto... Yeah. Uh, Makoto and Katonaha are both visible in the scene for the first time. And um, everyone else... Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's a bunch of extras around. All of them are just kind of grayed out. Yeah. They're all kind of just gray shapes. They're gray silhouette people. Yeah. And I went through every episode. I skimmed through every episode of the show to see if this is done anywhere else. And except for one single shot in, I think, episode 7... It's done nowhere. There is one other. There is one oh. at the end of episode one. Right, yeah, but that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that is a flashback to this very scene. I, I Here's the thing. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say that isn't a flashback there is, to this there scene. There is a difference. There is yeah. a difference. We'll there. get there. Okay, but um, what does it mean? Because uh, how I understand this is, this is the first shot, and we're supposed to be introduced to our main characters. Mm. And I guess either the show creators didn't think the audience would be able to tell who the main characters are... Mm. So everyone else is just gray. Or they wanted to really emphasize... Um, I mean, we got a very small cast of characters. Mm. So um, the show really wants to emphasize the ones it has. I, I think that's that's probably the most practical explanation for yeah. this, right? Yeah. We want to see uh, which is our main character, which is the other character. But here's the thing again. Okay. Like, they never... And no other point in the show do they do this. Except for, like... This and we're, we're, I'm really interested in the scene in episode seven uh, when we get. It's to just it. a shot of the classroom. There's nothing happening. Okay. <laughs> we'll see if nothing's happening. We'll see. But let's just put this in the room now. This is how I've written quite a few essays on literature. That's how we get started. We notice that things are happening, and then when the context arrives, we put them in context. So. I, I understand that you have a lot more thorough notes on what's actually happening than me. Yeah, I'm I'm a technical person in that regard. Yeah, I've I've only written down things like, oh, this could mean that. Yeah, uh, you can you could ask any teacher I ever had in German because German is the subject in which we did all of our analysis. Yeah, we're from Germany. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're from Germany, and uh, within years, I've never gotten anything better than a C in in any analysis. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked analysis because I could just make shit up and if I could kind of prove it, it would work. And that's what this show is. Okay. Okay. So do we want to move on to the next yeah, shot? Yeah, let's move on to the next scene and then let's move back at the end of the episode. Yeah, the next scene is in a train station slash at a train. Mm -hmm. In the very 
And there we are again introduced to Kotonoha in a very, very fitting fashion to start the <laughs> narrative. As in, we get a boob shot immediately followed by a thigh shot. Yeah, uh, she she runs at the camera basically in a boob shot, and then we see her from the back in a thigh shot. And here's the thing: like at this point, I was like, okay, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop this here and make some notes because. Ah, okay. The first thing we see of her is from Makoto's point of view, who's inside the train, who sees her running at him and only focuses on, and the shot only focuses on her breasts. Um, it's not, it's not necessarily the first time Makoto really, like, engages with her because I didn't mention this in the first shot. Like, while we only see his face, there's like a bunch of chattering in the background happening from the invisible crowd mm. around them. But as soon as the camera pins over to Katonoha, all the noise disappears. Mm. There's a whole narrative through the first uh, episode that he has a crush on Konoha. And this, yeah. maybe this Katonoha. is what... Katonoha. I keep messing that up. <laughs> maybe this is what they wanted to uh, tell us there. Yeah, but I think his dialogue here is relevant because I wrote this down. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of expositioning happening. Yeah, here. but I think something relevant that he mentions here is that he mentions a point, maybe this point, maybe something before there that he noticed that they drive uh, that they take the same train. Yeah. And he says that before he knew that, he had figured out that she seems to like books. That's yep. the one main character trait he knows about her she, and is in class next door. She's in class next door, <laughs> class 1-4. I wrote that down specifically for every character in which classroom they okay. are. Okay. <laughs> I also thought it was really interesting that his perspective on her is she seems to like books. Because she is always reading them on her way to school and back. So he only now figured out that they're on the same train. But he knew that she reads books on her way to school and back from school. So did okay. she walk? Did she like have an open <laughs> book in front of her and walk like this to yes. the train? Did he notice that? And also, he, she seems to like books. You see her reading books every day, it seems. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure she likes books, man. I don't think you have to have a lot of interpretation okay. on that. Okay, so the next thing is kind of the greatest, one of the greatest parts of the first episode, which is a certain urban lege legend. Yeah, that is mentioned this is here. where the cell phone charm begins. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have yeah. so much written down on the cell phone charm. I, I didn't, because I looked it up and I didn't find anything. Yeah, I, I didn't find anything <laughs> of either. Of course not. Here's the thing. I, okay, the cell, will you establish really quickly the cell phone charm rules? So, the, the cell phone charm. If you take a photo of someone without them noticing, mm -hmm. you, you take that photo as your background, and no one knows, no one notices for three months things will go well between the two of you. Was it three months? Three weeks. Three I, weeks. I wrote down three, three weeks. weeks. It might be possible that we watch different subs. That's possible, yeah. yeah. We but have it on Blu-ray. We have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> I don't have a Blu-ray player in my computer. Well, a little side note. I did. <laughs> yeah. And now I can say that school they stole my Windows license. Yeah. Uh, the Blu-ray player, when you tried to play the episode. Um, the Blu-ray player destroyed my USB drive. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's USB drive. <laughs> and I needed to get my motherboard replaced. With <gasps> Which in turn lost me my Windows license, which was tied to my hardware. We didn't learn anything from this wrath of God, and <laughs> we keep uh, engaging in this sin. Okay. Anyway. Things about the cell phone charm. The cell phone charm. At this point, we don't have origins for it established. I've, I've, I've had my eyes open for that throughout the episode. The best we get is Sekai later, later calls it a trendy thing. So we can assume okay. that a lot of Ch teenagers are doing this. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, who said this? Because in this specific scene, there's 
There's narration. There's narration. There's some, from a female voice. There's a I female think. voice saying, <laughs> just explaining what it is. What, but why? Who is this? This is really interesting. Okay, I got him. Uh, this is interesting that there's a female voice saying this. Because, okay, I have some interesting uh, concepts about Sekai that we can engage in later. So, and uh, this is where the end of the intro happens. Uh, we hear okay. this story about the cell phone charm. We see this image. He, he On the train, he took an image of her. That's how the whole cell phone charm gets started. The whole cell phone charm dialogue. And we see an image of Kotonoha. Uh, that he just took with like distortion on it, like mm. from a cell There's phone. There's really nice music playing. Yeah, it's and a beautiful then scene. and then it shatters like glass. Yeah, this... and we cut to the front of the yeah the school, school. days logo shows up and it shatters. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Like this is obviously like this is obviously this thematic. Is wonderful foreshadow. Yeah, it's like very very blunt foreshadowing for hey look at this nice thing it's gonna fall apart. Yeah. Uh, um... If you if you don't notice this, I'll fail you. Yeah, speaking of foreshadow, right in the next scene, uh, we meet Sekai for mm, the first time, mm. the other lady. Uh, you can tell them to a point because Sekai has like a little... She has um, antenna. She has antenna. She has a hair, hair antenna on her, on her <laughs> head. And she has like a short shorter ponytail, I think. And she has brown hair. Kotonoha, I think, has more like... Grayish black. Grayish bluish hair. Yeah. Sekai runs into him, into... Um, Makoto, and immediately sees the picture he took. Was just as mm. he was about to delete. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I think this is really yeah. that's interesting. Like yeah. immediately, someone noticed in the next shots. So I think this is also foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting because he sits there with his phone mm-hmm. and is about. It's like he he's the cynic. He's like, oh, the cell phone chime that we just yeah. thought this about. Is stupid. This is stupid. This won't work. And he wants to delete the image. And then Sekai shows up behind him, notices the image. And keeps him from deleting the image. He just closes his phone. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean? The cell phone charm rules are clearly established. <laughs> the cell phone charm magic works in the way that you have to keep the image on your phone for three weeks. And if no one notices, then you get the thing. You get love. Whatever. Yeah. But in this situation, he was about to give up immediately. <laughs> which... Mm-hmm. That's just a very Makoto thing. We're gonna get to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. encountered a slight issue. I'm gonna give up. Yeah, also, uh, Sekai... Like, Sekai already kind of established... It's kind of established that way what Sekai is all about. Because mm. she's all about mingling with Makoto's love life. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. Constantly. The cell phone charm wasn't gonna work for him either way. Because he was just about to delete the image. But, Sekai kept him from deleting the image. While she noticed it, she kept him from deleting the image. And let's let's assume that the cell phone charm is real. Let's yeah. now assume that the cell phone charm yeah. is a real thing in this universe. There is a magic in cell phones. I assume that cell phones play an important part in the visual novel. I don't know, but that's the only way the cell phone charm makes sense to me. There's a lot of cell phones in the show. Yeah, cell phones play a big role in the show. There's also a big thematic element with cell phones. I can't wait to get to that. Mm. But let's assume this could work and that this is the way that teenagers find love in this world. (laughs) It wouldn't have happened for him either way. He wanted to delete the image and Sekai kept him from it, but she saw it. So So either way, nothing's going to happen. It's like double jinxed. Yeah, he's he's kind of like double jinxed, but she prevented him from immediately giving up. And I think that's an important part of her character that we're going to get back to. Like, he was about to immediately give up on this thing. She prevented him from giving up, but he was doomed either way. I think that's an important part of the show. Okay. 
So let's move on to the next scene. Classroom A is We're where still I... in this scene. This is also the same oh, scene. Oh, I didn't write anything more to this scene. Oh, really? No. Oh, they're, they're, Just the one. They have this whole extremely funny uh, exchange there. Wasn't that in that scene? Yeah, yeah. They become bench neighbors. That is in this scene. Yeah, that's... Uh, th- I wanted to get back to this. For whatever reason, up until then, I thought that the two of them, Makoto and... Um, Sekai were f- friends before this encounter. Yeah, no, yeah. they didn't know each yeah, other. Yeah, that was the first time I... Like, every single time I've watched the show previously, I thought they were already friends to begin with because just because of the way they interact with each yeah. other. But they just met for the first time. Yeah, and at th- this point, they have, like, this argument about, oh, are you into this girl? No, I'm not into her. Yeah, this is... Like, immediately the first thing she does on screen is to mingle with his love life. Yeah, and this this whole thing is repeated multiple times throughout the show. Uh, Johnny doesn't drink. (laughs) So here are some important themes that we're going to see through the show start in this scene. So I made a lot more notes on it. Mm. First of all, Makoto constantly in this conversation they have over via notes while in class, uh, Makoto constantly denies that he has any interest in Kotonoha. And Sekai constantly denies what he says. So he must obviously have feelings in her. He says he doesn't. Okay. The teacher, by the way. Yeah, the teacher. <laughs> I wrote notes about this, what the teacher was talking about. Yeah. So uh, I only wrote down the name of the story. Yeah, I wrote I wrote I read the story through what it's about. Okay, I was gonna. I'm glad you did, because I forgot to. Uh, it's the ghost story of Yotsuya. Yeah, Yotsuya Kaidan is a kabuki play from eighteen twenty five. Uh, it's apparently in Japan. It's a pretty famous story, a pretty famous play mm. uh, that I didn't know about. Uh, so I read through what it was about, and I, I figured out at what scene specifically the teacher was describing there. <laughs> oh God! Okay, you did so much work. Uh, I mean, he says some names, so I can figure it out. Okay. Uh, so I don't, I don't remember the names of all the characters. So I'm just, I'm just gonna call the. There's two male There's a lot of male protagonists mm-hmm, actually. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to say there's two major male protagonists. I'm going to call them A and B. Mm. So A, uh, in the first act, has an argument with his father-in-law. Uh, they're arguing about his daughter because his father-in-law apparently doesn't want him to be with his daughter anymore. I think uh, I mean, she's like a renegade uh, samurai, samurai uh, I think. Uh, a, ro- a ronin. A ronin, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the argument ends with the ronin killing his father-in-law. Mm. So this is the first part of the first act. Okay. Okay. And then there's B, which is another male character. This guy is into the sister of his wife. So uh-huh. uh, so we have these two female characters, they're sisters, and we have A and B. They're into those two sisters. Mm. Uh, the other sister apparently is a prostitute at a brothel. Uh, B is really into her as well, but she has a husband. And while, she, while he tries to flirt with her at a brothel, the husband shows up with the owner of the brothel, and they throw him out. Because uh, he's indecent. Mm. And while he's drunk, he accidentally kills his former master because he confuses him for the husband of the lady he likes. An accident. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So uh, apparently those two murders happen at the same time. And those two guys then start working together uh, because um, the two ladies they want to be with are sisters. So they have a common cause. Ah, okay. Yeah, and uh, I think they're trying to... I think they what they do is they trick those sisters into thinking they want to avenge their father. Who one of those two men killed, who A killed. Uh-huh. Yeah, and as a promise, the prostitute agrees to marry B. 
I didn't quite get the whole story. I'm not going to go through all of it, just yeah, the yeah. next act, because that one's relevant. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, which but is... I also already want to say, like, before we get to the next yeah. act, there's already some themes from the mm-hmm. show that are obviously being referenced here. Ever since modernism, being self-referential to other great canonical classics mm-hmm. has become very popular in literature. And it's a whole angle of uh, literary analysis to look at the canon and how does this interact with the canon. It's, again, especially in modernism and mm-hmm. postmodernism, which deliberately tries to avoid doing that. And we already have here the themes of female uh, interest in, uh, in, in love, mm-hmm. uh, how romances can lead to death. Murder. How, lots mm, of murder. Lots of murder. <laughs> and multiple people being interested in the same person, which is something that's going to come up even in this episode to a yeah, degree, but more fun, and more. Because I was just about to describe the next act. Okay. Okay. Uh, Go to the next this act. is the last thing I described because yeah, yeah. this is dragging along now. Uh-huh. Uh, there's this. There's this other family. I think there's some kind of influential people, and the youngest, like the daughter of this family, she really wants to be with A, mm. but she's jealous of A's wife. Who was A again? A, A was the first guy who killed his father-in-law. Ah, okay, okay, mm. okay. This daughter of the important family really wants to be with uh, A. But she's jealous of his wife because she thinks he's way more attractive than her. Mm. And uh, she thinks uh, that he would never be with her because of it. So then her family plots against this woman. And what they do is they send her... I think they gift her a face cream, which is poisonous. Mm. Which she then uses and disfigures her completely. Okay. Okay. Uh, So she becomes the Joker. Yeah, and this is fun. And uh, (laughs) uh, speaking of parallels, uh, at this point, because he's unattractive, A really thinks, oh man, I don't want to want to be with her anymore now. (laughs) So instead, he uh, he asks the owner of the brothel to rape her because apparently this legalizes getting divorced. (laughs) This what? (laughs) That that is something that was in a lot of legal codes at some point. Uh, That's in the Bible, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, So. Pretty so, sure. No, no, no. It's the other way around. In the Bible, is uh, it's uh, if you rape someone, you have to marry them. Mm. That was the thing. But the owner of the brothel really don't wants to follow through with it. Yeah. So instead, she just shows her mirror so she can see herself. And her response is to go nuts, uh, grab a sword and run for the door, maybe to get revenge. Mm. But the owner of the brothel tries to stop her. And in an attempt to dodge him, she accidentally cuts her own throat with a sword. <laughs> And wow, this is believe it or not, this exact scene is the one the teacher describes. <laughs> like during this whole friendly conversation, <laughs> this is the scene he's explaining. Because in her dying breath, she curses A. And uh, by the way, I remember A's, A's name. It was, it was Lemon. His name was just Lemon. Okay, I, okay. I, I assume in Japanese. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with the word yeah. Lemon. I'm sure. So she curses him forever. And during this is the scene that's described. It's, <laughs> This is interesting because whenever I watched the show, I was never sure how self-aware it is. Yeah, I'm, I, that's that's a big mm. thing. Because uh, I never understand whether the show wants me to hate Makoto or like him. Mm. But but this is kind of on the nose. Yeah, I think it's an it's an interesting perspective on it because like uh, okay, there's gonna be a big spoiler now. Uh, if you still want to watch School Days. Whatever you would. I I mean it's an enjoyable yeah. experience. Mm. If you still want to watch School Days, press pause now. Then set aside a few hours, watch the whole show, and then press play again. There's a murder in the end. Uh, actually, multiple murders. Yes. Actually, of out them. of the three main characters mentioned, two of them are killed. Over this whole relationship thing that develops uh, over the course of this show. And yeah, this very much shows an awareness of that. Of th- This show kind of feels at some point like it lacks foresight. 
like a lot of the plots just sort of develop uh, into whatever direction for whatever reason. And this at least shows some clear foresight. And I think an an interest in exploring what's happening and like tying it to the canon to make it more of a important thing. Like I get, I get the feeling that this reference sort of places this story and I, we'll, we're going to get to more stuff that does this places this story in a great literary canon and as like a story in the same vein as a lot of other great stories. If, how it turned out isn't really relevant here, but uh, I feel that they were trying to tell one of these in this case, a story that seems to be pretty relevant to uh, Japanese people, mm -hmm. uh, a story that is in the same tradition as some traditional stories. Okay. Are we going to move on to the yeah. next amazing scene? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, just going to check. Yeah, I think that's basically it. Okay. Uh, we're getting to Taisuke. Yeah, Taisuke down. shows up. The note, I'm just going to read out the note I wrote here outside. Taisuke shows up and hits Makoto with a mop. <laughs> that's all I wrote. I wrote a lot more. Okay. <laughs> no, I wrote more. This is just the first sentence. Let's get to Taisuke. Taisuke... On this rewatch of the first episode was one of the most interesting characters to me and oh. one that really drove my interpretation of the entire episode. That's I didn't... I read very little about him. <laughs> I wrote like half a page about him, I think. Wow. Okay. Well, then, then you go crazy. Okay, let's go to Taisuke. Taisuke is... When we watched the show first, we called him Klein. Uh, right. We called him that a few times because that's the name of a character in Sword Art Online that fulfills the exact same role as him. He's the male friend to the harem anime protagonist yeah. who is mindlessly horny yeah. uh, and who's always just like, why are things with women so easy for you? Why except, can't I constantly fuck? Except, why do you get to fuck? Except unlike, unlike Klein. Klein is actually he, pretty like Yeah, him. he actually lacks any sympathies. <laughs> yeah. Here are some interesting things Taisuke says about Makoto. He describes Makoto as having no eye for women. When Makoto says, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, the whole conversation starts because Taisuke mentions how he saw Makoto and Sekai together. And now he thinks, okay, they're going to be a thing. And immediately jumps to, they're probably fucking. <laughs> or they're going to be uh, fucking pretty soon. Okay. Uh, uh, I was, and and I... when Makoto says, mm -hmm. just a bit. When Makoto says uh, that that's, he doesn't see it that way. Taisuke says he has no eye for women and doesn't understand women at all. I haven't mentioned this yet, but like this is not about the analysis, but what's our um, what's our policy on profanity? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess we're just going to cast... I don't think we're going to have one. Okay. We, nobody's paying us to do this, nobody, yeah. so I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Okay. <laughs> all right, then. So, he also immediately says that he wants Sekai for himself and thinks that Makoto doesn't deserve her, uh, directs clear anger at Makoto, he hits him with a mop, and he says that because of this, Makoto is soon going to reach adulthood, which... You know, the fun thing is, I kind of just brushed this all off, because I just thought, like, he's just supposed to be over-the-top cartoonish or whatever, and not go through every single word he says. <laughs> no, no, I think these things are relevant. All right. Because his physical violence, his very clear definition of masculinity being tied to sexuality... His very clear concept of unbridled anger and unbridled uh, sexual uh, energy that he sort of brings across sort of makes him, and I, th I think this is going to be one of the core themes here, a representation of a certain kind of masculinity. 
I think that one of the most fruitful analyses of this show, uh, from what I've seen so far and from what I remember, is going at it from like a feminist perspective and looking at the way gender is portrayed in the show. Uh, and I think what what really struck me about Taisuke is that in comparison with him, when you look at Makoto, Makoto doesn't express any of these generally masculine concepts. Now, part of that may be because Makoto is the player character mm -hmm. <laughs> and doesn't express a lot of anything. But as we've discussed before, he does have certain things he keeps coming back to. Mm -hmm. He is indecisive. He doesn't have... Uh, he wouldn't have engaged uh, Kotonoha. Yeah. Uh, he just watched her. Yeah, actually, he keeps trying not to engage with Konoha. Yeah, yeah. He keeps, he keeps trying to not really interact. And the world around him sort of keeps pushing him into this situation at the start of the show. Uh, and I think Taisuke is interesting. In, uh, if you notice some weird things uh, about my sound when I say Taisuke, it's because I have co to constantly look down and read his name again because I keep forgetting it. Taisuke is interesting because he takes the role of the traditionally masculine. He uh, is very sexually focused. He is violent. He's angry. He's sort of a, a, a the Twinkie version of a hairy ape as in American literature. And I think his role in the show is going to be defined by this, by doing the thing and by trying to live up to the standard of what is traditionally viewed as masculine. Uh, so we've introduced another main character. Let's get going. So that's Taisuke. Sekai shows up. Yeah, that's another, that's another thing I mentioned, I wrote down about Taisuke, which is that when Taisuke confronts Mato Makoto, because he thinks that she, for whatever reason, he's dating... Sekai. Yeah, because and, they uh, talked once. Yeah, and his response to this is that he says he thinks Sekai is just some noisy girl. Mm. Yeah, I thought this was interesting that um, when she's not around, she kind of just says, she's just some noisy girl. Mm. Like, we were chatting, we were having fun, whatever. <laughs> I mean, he was, this? he was kind of annoyed by her in the previous year, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. And there are a few things that we only find out now that Sekai has actually been doing for him. Yeah. At this point. It gets weirder. Okay, yeah, it gets really weird. Okay, yeah. Sekai shows up rescues Makoto from this physically violent situation <laughs> that Taisuke has introduced him to and takes Makoto to the roof. Yeah, uh, for she more. Has, she okay. has a key to this, like, outer area on the roof. Yeah, uh, she's apparently president of the Astronomy Me Club. I don't know how relevant that is. Uh, she, th there's a bit more about that. The club isn't real. She mentions that. Uh, like, there hasn't been anyone in it for forever and she just asked for the key and said she's the Astronomy, Astronomy Club. So so she's tricking the school basically yeah, into she's rooftop got, she's access. She's kind of a wild side to her, I guess. Yeah, she she there. kind of takes the place as a uh, of a deceiver figure at this point. Uh, she's willing to lie to get where she mm -hmm. wants. Foreshadow. Yeah, and she also expresses excitement at having a secret place that nobody else knows about. Mm. Uh, excitement at having a secret okay. to keep. So on the roof, uh, she's very excited to exclaim that she has. Just become friends with Kotonoha a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, since the last scene. And we don't have an yeah. idea of time here. <laughs> How much time passed? She just ran up there immediately after <laughs> PE. That's another thing. She mentions that their grade, uh, grade 3, has PE together with grade 4. So the two of them have PE together. But what? But Makoto doesn't, I guess. I think it's uh, like divided. Women have oh, one. Oh yeah, right. Men uh, have yeah, that makes sense later. Yeah. yeah it makes sense, okay. I think something interesting here, too, uh, that will come up a bit later, 
again, in my concept of the traditional gender roles portrayed in the show, she mentions that uh, she and Kotonaha could speak because Sekai faked an illness. Again, this fakery coming in, this yeah. uh, deception. And Kotonoha is just is just weak. She's just a, she's just physically weak. She just can't do anything. Uh, she's just sitting at the side in, in PE because she can't run. It's too much work. I mean, that's just me in elementary school. There's it nothing it would have been that. me, but I had to run. I would have not gone to PE if I didn't have to. Well, I mean, I also had to run. I just didn't. <laughs> I I wanted to not fail. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway. She shows... Also, more things she mentions about Kotonoha here is that she figured out that Kotonoha doesn't really feel like she fits in. And that the reason for this is she doesn't trust easily because she is being excluded a lot by her class for, and I quote, being too cute. So Kotonoha is physically weak and her core characteristic is that she is too cute to function in society. Speaking of um, gender roles. Mm. Okay, f- first of all, uh, before I forget to mention it, she also she also just made a picture of the two of them. Uh, so she yeah. could tow it to him. So she could show it to Makoto. Of Kotonoha and yeah. Sekai. She yeah, of the two of them. Picture. So she could tow it to Makoto. And wow, uh, speaking of boob shots, there's more <laughs> of those. And uh, they show this image twice. Once, like, specifically zoomed in and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we've, when we sh- watched the show, we talked about male gaze. Yeah, yeah. Male gaze is uh, very present in this show. Uh, if we go along the lines of feminist critique again. Yeah. <laughs> the camera has a dick. Definitely. Okay, so what I was about to say is the next thing she tells him is that he's popular with girls. Mm-hmm. And he, anyway, she, she, I mean, she compliments him a lot, like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. She also says that uh, she, this, this is also an important line I wrote down. Uh, she says that she only became friends with Kotonoha to specifically help him. She did it for him. Which again shows her. This is going to grow throughout the show. Her unhealthy involvement in Makoto's love life. Yeah. There's also another sentence that she says. I just wrote it down because it's it's just kind of a weird line. She said, there are people who like you. So as a girl, I can't ignore that. Yeah. And as a representative of the girls, she has to do a thing. Like, she says that girls in general like Makoto. Which, okay, he's a very passive kind of character. Yeah. So... I think it's kind of believable that he hasn't noticed that girls mm. like him, but he's like obsessed with Kotonoha to a certain degree. He doesn't. He doesn't start completely obsessed with her. Uh, though it is, it is mentioned a few times uh, later in the episode too that he's not very noticeable. Mm. He doesn't uh, notice. I don't know. <laughs> L- not very perceptive. Perceptive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think, yeah, it's believable that he hadn't no- hasn't noticed that the girls seem to be all into him. What is questionable is that the girls are into him because I mean, he's literally milk toast. I didn't, like, I didn't question this because that's a running theme in the show that everyone yeah. wants to fuck him. Yeah, but here it's introduced. Time. Here it's introduced. So this could seem like something. Ah, oh, she's kind of trying to come on to him and says he's attractive or whatever, and that this is her weird way of courting him, of getting together with him. Uh, and that she's basically, like, saying, oh, you're so attractive, everybody loves you. No, no, everybody is attracted to him. Absolutely every female character is attracted to him. That is a plot point. We'll get back to that. Yeah. And now, uh, physical assault. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the next thing. Okay, so, on the roof, when Makoto hears all this, uh, I became 
friends with this girl just to help you. He immediately becomes violent, picks Sekai up when she implies she might have told someone else, presses her against like the boundaries of the uh, of the rooftop in a scene that I kind of had to think about that scene in the room. Yeah, where, I was just going to mention. Yeah, where I Mark mean, tries to kill Peter on the roof and it's immediately nowhere. forgotten. Yeah, because this whole thing, like, you want to be with Makoto. No, no, no. Like, this, this uh, dynamic that's always going on was always yeah. kind of playful and funny. And now he just goes completely violent. Yeah, like, he immediately... He, he suddenly becomes violent, presses her against the boundaries of the roof, and, just like in the room, it's, like, it's totally ignored. It's like completely she says, dropped. It, ah, it hurts, stop. He says, oh, oh, sorry. He, like, snaps out of it. Uh, let's go of her. And that's when she tells him, oh, yeah, also she's single. And she kind of swears herself into the service of their romance and says, oh, after you just assaulted me, I'm really sure that I want to bring you two together. I think that's important. And then he apologizes for, and I quote, shouting at her. Yeah, wow. He, he did a bit more than shout at her. Is all um, I'm gonna say, but, but yeah, th that's something I also see as a running theme, which is Makoto doing something terrible and the show immediately just dropping it and making jokes. <laughs> yeah, but this is also where uh, the theme of the corruption of Makoto is introduced. Mm. So Makoto starts off as a nothing milk toast guy, but we've seen multiple things having an impact on him through that day. Without any impact from the other characters, he would have deleted that image, and mm. that would have been it. But Sekai pushed him to act on his feelings. His guy friend, whose name I've forgotten again, was gonna... Taisuke. Taisuke pushed him into being the more masculine role. Into like, uh, and even if he constantly denies it, I think this is sort of what we're seeing here. This is a part of the corruption of Makoto. The violence previously enacted upon him by his friend is now the violence he enacts that's, that's upon inter Sekai. That's interesting. There's also the thing here that's introduced here, and I think we're going to talk about that later, because that's a whole story of its own, of Sekai's motivation. Yeah. There's another thing in this scene, the name of Sekai. Mm, yeah. yeah, Sekai's her first name, and but she insists that Makoto names her by, by his first name, but also she insists to name Makoto by his last name. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> also, uh, she mentions that her name, Sekai... Uh, means the world. Yeah, and the uh, name has a large scale. Yeah, that's something that's also a running theme. Uh, people having names that are very that are things that have some meaning. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I remember one character in specific, but there's there's more about that. So her name means the world. Let's just let's just take that, uh, tuck that in a little pocket, and then we can take that back out later. Just remember that. Let's save some of that for later. Yeah. Uh, now Setsuna. Or uh, Setsuna. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I forgot to mention Setsuna earlier. I, me all, me yeah. too. I, I saw her in that scene before and thought, mm. I don't have to write that down. Yeah. Uh, in the first classroom scene, right at the end, after... Yeah, there's another thing. Uh, after Makoto just... No, it wasn't, it wasn't Makoto. It was it was Sakai who just jumped up and screamed immediately. Mm, yeah, that's how all the classroom scenes end. <laughs> yeah, uh, someone, someone just jumps up and screams out of nowhere. And the teacher says, Oh, you can't do that. Yeah, this is the first time we see we see Setsuna, but all she does is just stare at him. Who is Setsuna? Setsuna is this little girl. Little, she's in his class. She's in his so. class, but she's clearly like in the in the harem anime universe. She's the 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 one for the pedophiles. 
Yeah, she's the young one. Let's just she's the one that looks like a. Let's child. just not think about that. Also, she's a good friend of Sekai. Yeah, anime, and sh- uh, she never shows any emotion. <laughs> she always just kind of looks slightly pissed. Yeah, she kind of looks sternly. Yeah, she's only in the scene for a tiny moment, mm-hmm. and she doesn't have any more screen time later in the episode. Yeah, but I, she she gets to wrote, say a thing. What I wrote down is Setsuna is introduced, inquisitive about Sekai, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what this is supposed to tell us. Like, I think it, it's either supposed to tell us that she also has interest in Makoto, mm. or that she's worried about uh, one any of the characters. I, I think she's uh, like she's introduced as a friend of Sekai, and I think her motivation in this is supposed to be worry about Sekai because mm-hmm. she's doing this really weird, unmotivated seeming thing. I also don't want to read wants to be with Makoto for every character because it's too easy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but she's actually one of the few that might have a bit more motivation than that based on things that happen in later episodes. Mm-hmm. So we cut to, I assume, a later day where Sekai invites Kotonoha to a shared lunch with Makoto on the rooftop, which the- will become a core uh, location that yeah. keeps showing up. The roof. This time, super important difference. This time, it's Makoto who jumps up and interrupts class. Yeah. This is definitely important. Uh, yeah, when when he finds out. We actually have a scene where Sekai and Kotonoha talk to each other a, a little bit in this episode. A bit later. Kotonoha, according to Sekai, is single and likes someone. That's also something that is introduced in this situation right after the classroom scene. When Makoto shows hesitation to go to the roof together with Sekai. Again, his, like, trying to keep away from this whole situation, immediately giving up. Uh, Sekai pushes him to actually go forward, to actually go onto the roof and talk to her. And in in doing so, she tells him that Kotonoha is single and likes someone, some mystery person. Something that I thought was interesting here is that at this, Makoto expresses that he could be glad and happy if Kotonoha was with some uh, happy with someone, if Kotonoha was in love with someone and happy with them, so he takes a very non-possessive role here. Uh, yeah, he's that's like, that's nice. Yeah, like as long as she's happy, I'm happy. He loves her so much; he just wants her to be happy, which is in stark contrast to things. It's uh, nice to other things. Can we just stay here forever? <laughs> I, I think we'll have to leave. We have to leave the <laughs> we'll cave. We have to go on. There's a small scene in the corridor. I think we just went over that one pretty much as well. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just good. the same. Yeah. And then we move on to the date. The great mm. date on the roof. I, I I didn't write down anything about the start of it because it was just more, oh, falling over anime joke. Yeah, but you already, I mean, you already analyzed all the stuff with that one idiot. <laughs> I, I forgot his name again. I think that one idiot is pretty relevant, okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah, whatever, sandwiches. Uh, yeah, they eat sandwiches. Uh, they actually eat sandwiches. They don't mm. eat uh, like rice balls and uh, they're translated into sandwiches. They actually eat sandwiches. Yeah, I, w- I wrote this down as a specific trait of Kotonoha, which is that she's bad at making sandwiches. Yeah, she's bad at making sandwiches, but upon being invited to lunch, she made sandwiches for all of them. Yeah, like she's she seems like she's actually pretty nice. Yeah. She's just a nice person. And uh, this is also together with her frailty introduced earlier, her... Big breasts. Uh, yeah, big which, breasts is also a relevant character yeah. trait, apparently. And they are... Like, breasts in general, in art, are representative of femininity. This is what Kotonoha's role is in this. She's yeah. the traditionally feminine in the same way that 
Tetsnor? Tetsko? Guy friend? Is, him. is the traditionally male uh, perspective. Kotonoha is, she likes to cook, she likes to care about people. We'll later find out that she has a sister with whom she takes on a very motherly role. Mm-hmm. She's kind of everything in one. Yeah, and she's she's frail. Whatever. She's all. Uh, she's the traditionally feminine, as portrayed in a lot of art. This is kind of the role she takes on early in the show, as sort of the counterbalance uh, to Makoto being pushed to act more. Like that's also going to come up in a bit. Sikai tells him to act more manly at uh, a later scene. I'm going to bring it up here now because yeah, this this is what Makoto's corruption is at the beginning. His corruption is acting like. What is perceived to be manly? Okay, yeah, people, people are, are the story is pushing him to be more manly. Mm. Yeah, so the the composition of the three of them, uh, they're they're sitting on a bench next to each other with um, Sekai in the middle, mm-hmm. and the other two are kind of sandwiched around her. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> you kind of tell you can see that Sekai is really trying uh, to get them to to interact with each other because they really don't want to this is another thing that's relevant or they're incapable this. of it they're they're very shy mm-hmm. uh, at the least yeah but again we have Sekai being the active person Sekai is the only one who gets any of this going without her Makoto wouldn't have asked her out without her they, the two of them couldn't talk to each other yeah when eventually they happen to be next to each other, this is when Sekai leaves, mm. so that they can... Yeah, basically, uh, on the first note of some sort of physical intimacy between Kotonoha and Makoto, Sekai excuses herself and leaves. Uh, I don't think she says she's going to the bathroom or she something She has like to that. go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's basically all that happens here. After, uh, th- we see them talking, I think, a bit more... But not a lot. Like, the next big thing is we see Makoto alone in his room. Yeah. And this is where the theme of phones comes back. Yeah. And that's another thing I noticed. Um, mm. com- like, with the scene directly after this. Because mm. first we see a scene of Makoto on the phone. Uh, he's talking about that he wants to be more confident. Like, he thanks Katonoha. No. He thanks Sekai on the phone for hooking him up with Katonoha. Uh, that he wants to be more confident and that he wants to tell her how he feels. And mm. then the next scene is Kotonoha in her, be- her bedroom on the phone. But I, th- I think she only sells, says a single sentence. Mm. This shot is super short and it's also super sexually filmed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> very is... male gazy again. Yeah, it's like the the scenes both kind of express that they kind of want to be more confident with mm. each other. But... Katonoha's shot is super short. Katonoha gets a bit more of that later. Like, she has mm-hmm. this IRL scene where she and Sekai meet later. But I think this is something that's going to come up a few times in the show. S- scenes of Makoto alone in his room with a phone. And I think they're interesting because the phones sort of act as... Like, we have this phone charm at the beginning that sort of promises love through this method of the phone. And in this scene, we have... Makoto and Sekai having like an honest conversation for the first time with Makoto not constantly denying everything, Sekai not constantly having to push him. They just have a conversation about what happened. Makoto says he wants to express his feelings to Kotonoha and Sekai tells him that's very manly of him and he thanks her. Like they have their first 
like what they couldn't do in person uh, because of the kind of people they are with Makoto being very shy and hard to express himself this directness is only possible to them over the phone and that's something that's going to come back that like honest conversation is sometimes only possible over this distance mm. of the phone so in the phone scenes we kind of get to see them more in the natural environment I guess so Makoto we see that Makoto, at least at this point, still seems to be an okay person. I also think it's interesting uh, we see their rooms. And part of that is just mm. Japanese interior design. But Makoto's room is completely clothed in greys. Everything in his room seems colorless. Even, I think he's wearing a grey pajama and something like that. And I think that's something that we could maybe come back to later on if we find something else. Because this greyness sort of falls in line with the sort of passiveness that he expresses in the early episodes. Uh, and maybe the room will change as he changes. That's something to look out for. Mm -hmm. I didn't really pay attention to the rooms, but it's interesting. <laughs> okay, so the next scene is at PE. Yeah, we see this situation that Sekai previously in explained how she gets to talk with Kotonoha actually unfurling. We get another thigh shot right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we get a we get a, something we hadn't had before, which is a conversation between Sakai and Kotonoha. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something very interesting right at the beginning. I uh, it doesn't doesn't pass the Bechdel test, by the way. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> they, right. They can, they can, the two women can only talk to each other if they talk about a guy. Uh, very much, they are talking about a guy. I I never even thought of that, but that's right. <laughs> uh, which is they talk to each other and they're. Oh, I, I kind of, I, we kind of went over a scene, which is a small scene at the train station right before this, where, um, mm. yeah, where Makoto asks Kotonoha out for a date. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, right. We don't see it happening, but in the next scene it's described that this mm. is what happened. Uh, and what's interesting now in the physical education scene is when hearing that Makoto's going out with Kotonoha, Sakai frowns for like a moment like, she's kind of like... Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad, like, like, it was like very for, subtle. For just, but then she's immediately, like, happy, like, wow, I'm so happy for you. Mm. This is, like, the first time it's kind of, like, there's something else going on there with That's the guy. interesting, because I also wrote that down. And I wrote that down for a different reason. I wrote it down oh. because it isn't clear. Like, it isn't a clear frown, but something in the framing shows us that it's negative. Yeah. Like, uh, all we see is, like... Part of it is the art style. They have very unexpressive faces in a way uh, very large eyes very small mouth uh, not very expressive faces but I don't actually specifically see I think it's just the performance we don't actually specifically see her being negatively impacted maybe it's just what we see later but I think there's some nuance to this yeah but uh, what, um, whether intended or not uh, it's still there mm, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see I see it. I see it. Like I especially in the context of the show, here we have a first hint at what Sekai's true motivations might be. Yeah. I mm. have another idea that I'll bring up at the end, but we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, then Kotonoha tells Sekai that she also likes him. So she's also in love with him kind of uh, like before it was hinted that uh, there's a guy she likes. Yeah, this mystery person. Yeah, this mystery person. Now it's revealed it's Makoto. 
Big secret, wow. Uh, and I thought something interesting was, uh, did you notice how she described why she is interested in him? Yeah, she kind of really liked being stalked. Yeah. This is awful. Like, <laughs> the, uh, she describes, oh, I was on the train, I always felt like I was being watched, and I don't know, I didn't know if it was really there, if I was just imagining it, but I really felt like I was being watched, and that was just... Ah, oh, man, I'm really interested in that. There was really nice romantic piano music playing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's creepy. So, yeah, she she likes to be perceived, I suppose. Mm. Maybe we'll get back to that. But, uh, yeah, she's she's interested. She's she's kind of like... That's, that's something I get the feeling of in the first episode. She's a lot like Makoto at the beginning. She's a very passive person. He was happy, as he describes... Uh, as Sekai also tells uh, her in this scene, I think, she, he was happy just watching her. And that was all he ever wanted. Uh, and she was happy just being watched. Mm. Like, their passive relationship, while never following through to some point, worked. And Sekai's meddling is what leads to the plot now. Yeah. Making it an active relationship. And sort of shaping them in doing so. And both of them will become a lot more active throughout the show. Makoto early on and Kotonoha at the very end, and both of them will impact Sekai by doing so. Sekai is sort of like the focal point of the show, I think. She's what gets everything going, and I think she's the one whose development is the most interesting, and whose actions have the most impact also to herself. Yeah. Uh, Kotonoha thanks Sekai at the end of the scene, which it kind of evens things out. Uh, like, up until this point, I kind of see that... Like, everything still seems pretty fine. Mm. Tonoho and Makoto kind of both are going through the same development. They're both being meddled together. They're both, yeah, I'm going to make this work. And they're both really friendly with with Sakai thanking and her and everything. Her, yeah. yeah. This is going to change. Yeah. So we're nearly coming up to the end. Uh, the next scene is a very big one. Mm, yeah, that's that, this is the one that gets the plot going. Yeah. Uh, Makoto is waiting for Kotonoha at the train. Kotonoha has to stay longer because she's part of the school committee thing. And there he meets Sekai. Something small that I thought might be interesting for further analysis as like uh, a theme thing, a thing is they take the same train. But Sekai takes the train in the opposite direction. Yeah. Uh, so Kotonoha and Makoto arrive at the school with the same train. Sekai too, but from the other direction. Which sort of again shows this difference in uh, like symbolizes that she's a very different person from Makoto and Kotonoha she's this active person they're these passive persons she's the one impacting their life like it's the plot going yeah sort of like two trains coming from different directions hitting Ah. each other in the middle uh, she impacts them she sort of brings them out of their like a train on rails out of their sort of regular daily uh ways out of how their lives usually function she sort of throws them off of that interesting (laughs) this also i mentioned this earlier this is where sekai kind of hints that he isn't very deceptive perceptive perceptive deceptive (laughs) he's very deceptive not yet not yet i don't remember what exactly it was but there was something she told him about that he just forgot i think it was the whole thing that um that katona oha is at a school thing like at a school council Mm-hmm. And he didn't notice. Um, in in the next in the next part, Sakai explains her motives, <laughs> her motivation, her yeah. motivations. Uh, what uh, he he questions her. He asks her, "Why are you doing this?" 
Yeah, so her explanation is um, in entertainment and television, you always hear about love. She's just doing it for fun. Uh, because it's fun to watch someone fall in love. Yeah, she uh, she yeah. thinks it's fun to impact their relationship. I think the the comparison with the show is really interesting. And also we have another like fist in the face level theme uh, description with her saying it's sort of like the world, like uh, like her name. Uh, like that you her can, name. That you can sort of uh, it's uh, it's unlike a show where you can only watch. If you interact with it, you can sort of spin the world on your finger. You have you can mm. impact the way things happen. That's interesting because it's not just Sakai. It's like all the characters around them seem to be trying to drive them towards each other yeah, to yeah, get yeah. a plot. So At least the, the, the characters so, we know so far. So basically, the world is driving them, uh, is driving the plot forward, literally. In a way, yeah. Like his the friend, world is his, driving the plot forward. His friend, <laughs> who I really wonder why they're friends, uh, <laughs> is pushing him. The Sekai's friend is trying to impact this in her own way. She's maybe trying to push them apart or whatever. We don't know what her role in this is. But the whole world already revolves around this relationship. The whole world revolves the around world. this relationship. And so. Sekai uh, sort of sees herself as, in a way, as sort of watching a show, but one she can interact with. So everything makes sense up to this point. Maybe like playing uh, a novel where you can make small decisions Crazy. along the way. Uh, so everything makes sense up until exactly now. Yeah. Uh, because um, he says that he feels like he owes her and that he would do whatever it takes to repay her. And she says, important part, that the debt he owes her is too large to pay in a lifetime. I mean, she also says that she's just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... She says that she's just kidding. <laughs> but we'll get back to that. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> she proposes the way that he can pay him back. Yeah, in a very uh, direct way, a very physical way. In a very disgustingly animated way. Yeah. Okay. We get to... S uh, that's a pet peeve lips. of mine in this show. I hate the lips in this show. Lips. I fucking hate watching these lips. Ah, the kissing is so disgusting in this yeah, show. Yeah, by the way, they kiss. They kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she kisses him as a train drives by. Uh, trains, also big theme. Also big theme. Mm. We'll get back mm, to trains. that. <laughs> and as soon as the train stops, she runs into it, having kissed him, closes it, and we see a very emotional shot of her uh, yeah. that kind of looks like she just had an orgasm uh, she seems what the heck very <laughs> out of breath yes I, I got that I got that feel like okay. uh, like uh, she just ran a marathon if that's better so uh, what are what are Sekai's motives okay 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 this is basically the end of the episode there's still there's okay, one there's, more shot there's still the flashback there's one more shot but yeah Sekai says Maybe the kiss is a joke. Maybe it's like, oh, every girl likes you at this school. And I know you're happy now, but you know, you know, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna water the tree, I want to eat a fruit, you know? Uh, <laughs> might as well. Might as well. I think there are different ways to look at this. There's, there are, there are in-story ways and there are pretty out there ways, which I think would be interesting, but we'll get to it. First, let's talk about the last scene. So we return to the mass of grey silhouette people uh, yeah. we've seen in the first shot. We're back uh, in the first shot. It looks like the first shot. But then there's a flash of light and Makoto turns around and a bunch of the grey people have transformed into the other characters of the show. Uh, all of the major characters. We see them here. Like every, every named character except for, I think, 
Kotonoha's little sister, who is also a named character, but who doesn't show up here. Yes, thank God. Thank God. Um, and basically, out of after we've had this episode that was very focused on this one relationship, here we see there aren't just gray people around, except for this relationship uh, of these three characters. There's also all these other people. And that's representative of the show, I think. It starts off as a very simple story between these three characters. As these two characters fall in love, there's a third character who helps them get together and who maybe harbors her own interest in the dude. That is how the show starts. And as Mm. this shows, by the end, it will develop into a larger cast and into a lot more going on. I thought for some reason that this was a flashback. It could be a flashback. It doesn't have to be. It could be a flashback, but it doesn't have to be. I think the first scene is already, like, not literal. I think that's what also something the gray people here represent. It's sort of a representation of him Mm. longing after her because we see him watching her. Yeah, uh, and but this now is... in this moment of longing, there's a bunch of other girls that show up out of nowhere. Yeah, interesting. And he turns around away from Kotonoha mm-hmm. to look at all these other characters that have just showed up. Yeah, so I, I still have some notes for the credits, mm. which is um, the phone. I, yeah, I mentioned that I skimmed, skimmed through all the episodes to see whether there's any more scenes of like gray people around. Mm-hmm. And I saw that uh, the phone in the end, in the images shown on the phone, differ from episode oh. to episode. Yeah, so they change. What changes? Uh, so I'm I'm not entirely sure. I just wrote down what happens in this one. So in a row, um, there's, a, there's, I think, f- four images shown. Mm-hmm. The first one is an image of Kotonoha. So just f- for starters, the credits yeah, are... Exactly, yeah. There's a flip phone, an open flip phone. His and phone. we see uh, the images on it change. His phone, yeah. Mm. So the first image is an image of Kotonoha. Mm-hmm. Then an image of Sekai. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Setsuna. Okay. And then image of Konota and uh, Kotonoha and Sekai. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are these the same images we've seen before? Like the one of Kotonoha and the one of Kotonoha I and Sekai? I didn't took notice. Okay. I should have, I should okay. have looked a Maybe. bit more closely. But okay, so all the characters we see here are the characters already introduced, basically. Yeah. Except for Tets- Tetsuno, Tetsuko. God, yeah, I got there. What a shame. Yeah, he, he isn't in there, but he's also one of the characters already introduced. Uh, he will often uh, be sort of... <laughs> Delegated to the side of the side characters because he differs in a lot of ways from the other side characters that are going to be introduced besides the three in the main cast. Uh, there's one more thing I have, which is the credit song. I think there's also different versions of that in mm. different episodes. So I, I hear, I wrote, I just wrote down the lyrics. Okay. Of, let's just read it through. It says, every time I think of you, it gets so hard to breathe. I hide my true self. I don't know what it is I want. Because my best friend smiled at me, another lie escaped my lips, even though you're the one I love, until my voice goes hoarse. I want to say so many things, please realize, beneath this narrow sky, I'm gazing at you. We we found we found something here. Mm. Okay, first of all, this is Sekai, right? This feels to me like it's from the perspective of Sekai. As unrequited, uh, unrequited love, Makoto loves another... She has interest in, uh, in Makoto and sees him as a friend, even though they just met, but, you know. Also, there's a line, beneath the narrow sky, I'm gazing at you. What's beneath the sky? The world. The world. Uh, which is her name. And, oh my god, I didn't even know this. I, uh, I had my theory completely separate of this, but now it becomes, it becomes more and more obvious. Okay, here's my theory about Sekai. Okay. 
Makoto and Sekai have never met before this happened. Yeah. I think Sekai is not human. Okay, okay. Uh... This is a bit of an out there theory. This is my out there theory. My out there theory is that Sekai is sort of a celestial figure. Perhaps a guardian angel or an angel of love the or something like that. The theory is pretty out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> it's in this world because she is the world. <laughs> world. I'm sorry. Uh, she is the active person. She is the one what, sitting outside the world, impacting it, spinning the world on her finger and interacting with this world. Perhaps like in Death Note, when the Shinigami are bored of their world and try to fuck with the humans to uh, sort of feel some sort of enjoyment. And that also explains why she kisses Makoto at the end. Because, okay, I've done exactly what I wanted to now. This is getting boring. Maybe I want to, like, like maybe I want to uh, poke the aquarium a bit. See, it, uh, see what happens. Maybe I want to impact this a little. That sort of explains her weird and nonsensical motivation. Uh, that it's fun to play with the lives of other people. I mean, I can see that. But... Uh, it also exp- uh, explains, like, why she knew when uh, that just because she looked at his phone, he was doing the cell phone charm. He was trying to delete it. No, I got to keep you going. I got to keep you on the mission. I got to keep you doing that thing. Even if she isn't literally, like, an angelic being, I think that is the role she takes in this it's series. That she's a representative. She's representative of, of the game itself. She's representative of... An outside force impacting this world. The thing you would do if you play a virtual novel. So Makoto is is the player and Sekai is the game. Sekai is... Uh, Makoto is the player character. Sekai is the player. She's the one... Oh, interesting. ...making him take his actions. And I also think, and this these credits being very clearly about her, in my opinion, also proves another point. And that is that Sekai is the main character of the show. That's something I'm going to stick by. That's something I noticed on my last watch. And I still think that that's very interesting. Makoto's journey is only interesting to me in the way that it impacts... uh, Like Makoto and Kotonoha's journey and transformation are built around how they impact Sekai's life. Uh, We'll get to that later. But Sekai is the one who sort of kicked off the bowling balls that are now ro- rolling down this Rube Goldberg machine and about to hit hit things and make things fall over and whatever. And she's going to be the one, in the end, that the bowling balls fall onto. She's the one who got the plot going and she's the one the plot will resolve upon in the end of the story. Her meddling with these lives is what not only ruins them, but only ru- also ruins her life. Okay. And this is very out there <laughs> but I, I'm gonna try and pay close attention to it yeah, I, like, I really I really didn't put that much thought into it to be the, honest the angelic figure idea is something that is uh, in part driven by me originally thinking okay that that would be something that makes sense for why she does this she does this to fuck with mortals to, yeah. uh, to have fun with mortals al- alternatively her motivation doesn't make any sense and it's also that the debt is too large to be paid in a lifetime I don't know maybe that's a veiled hint maybe that's like a little suggestion. Mm. Who knows? But her as the role of the active, of the player, of the one outside the story, is, I think, pretty valid. She's the one driving the plot, and she's absolutely important to how a lot of the events in the plot unfurl. And I think looking at her 
as the active, as the one who got the ball rolling throughout the show, will provide a pretty interesting reading of it. Okay. So I really didn't put that much thought into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try a little harder. I'm next I'm one. glad that uh, I'm glad that you're making notes of what exactly happened in all the scenes. Uh, I also uh, you work. Uh, I I do the out there stuff. You ground me in reality. That also okay. works. We've ha somehow been sitting here for an hour and thirty minutes. Uh, we, we might we might cut it down. Yeah, I'm gonna edit a few things out. Anyway, thanks for listening. I guess. Uh, yeah, that was the first episode. Uh, we're gonna do an episode on. Every single episode of School Days. Yeah, probably. Uh, with how long this one was, I might even consider doing like two per episode. But we'll see. We'll see. And after this, um, we're going to look at something else, probably. Yeah. Something else that probably wouldn't get an analyzed in the same way uh, in other ways. Yeah. School Days uh, is, to, to close this out, it's an experience. I've talked to people about School Days a lot. And uh, it's sort of like... It's a spiritual experience, I'd yeah. say. It's kind of a tradition to end out a movie a movie night, specifically a bad movie night, mm. where we just watch bad movies at like 1 a.m., where I'm like, where everyone's like, hey, let's watch School Days. <laughs> let's just watch school, school Days to flush out all the weak ones. <laughs> it's yeah. just four hours, whatever. It's just four hours. And we rarely get to the end, but uh, we watch the rest on the next day. Yeah. You come out a, dif a different person. Yeah, School Days, with it. watching it for the first time changed me as a reviewer, like actively changed me. I used to subscribe to this objectively good, objectively bad things in media philosophy. And School Days is a big, big part that cha changed that for me. Like, uh, not because it was uh, like I saw so much incompetent brilliance in it, but because after watching it, nothing else stung quite as bad. Like things that I watched before that where I thought this is unredeemably bad I couldn't see that anymore because I'd seen school days I'd seen unredeemably bad and everything else just sort of had its own shine to it afterwards I could see the things that worked and something that overall didn't work from that point forward and I think this is like the end of that transformation for me now I'm going to do the same thing to school days now I'm going to see the light in school days okay and I'm taking you along for the ride all right <laughs> <laughs> so um we, do we have some kind of catchphrase to end an episode? We don't have an outro yet, no. Okay, so goodbye. Yeah, see ya. Bye.